Welcome to our fifth of ten sessions in a committed marriage. As has been our custom for the first four sessions, I'll start out with some thoughts that will hopefully set the context for the DVD portion that Paul Tripp will do. And after his DVD portion, I usually come back and have some uh, concluding comments. I'm not going to, because I'm leaving. And the reason I'm leaving is because my, uh, my uh, throat hurts worse than I've ever had a sore throat in my life. I don't know what the deal is with this. So, um, I'm told by the doctor who I saw this afternoon, if I don't kiss you, you'll, you'll be okay. But nevertheless, I'm going to take off. Now, some accuse me of wanting to leave early because the Tigers are playing tonight. That just happens to be part of the moment. That's good, no good, all right? So, page 12 is section 5. And the things that I'm going to say do not have notes. Uh, the notes on page 12 go with what Paul Tripp is going to say as part of the DVD. If you care to take notes on anything that I'm saying, you can do that on the back of, of page 11 as best you can. Let me remind you, we need the lights off. That's not what I remind you of, though. Let's turn these lights off. Yeah, turn one in the back. Turn that one on, Tony. Thank you. So I got a joke. How many Baptists does it take to turn off the lights? So, 10 sessions, and I remind you that we've got two Wednesdays where we don't meet, and one of those is next uh, Wednesday. So, we will not meet for any of our midweek program for uh, next week. Two weeks from tonight, we'll resume with session, with session six. And in our first four sessions, and over the entire ten, we're going to be looking at six commitments that we need to make if we're going to have a marriage that is characterized by reconciliation. And so we've looked at two of those six already. We're going to look at a third tonight. The first one is that uh, we commit to giving ourselves to a regular lifestyle of confession and forgiveness. We'll come clean and deal honestly with our sin, our weakness, and our failure. If you haven't been able to be here for the prior sessions, we have those recorded and they're on our website. And I had some additional things to say about what confession is how we go about confession and forgiveness. But that's the first of the six commitments of a reconciliation lifestyle. The second one that we saw last week is that we'll make growth and change our daily agenda. Tonight, we'll look at the third of the six, and that is we'll work together to build a sturdy bond of trust. Now, we would all agree that that's a, a worthy goal. And we would all agree as well that achieving that goal is made much easier if both parties work to make themselves trustworthy. So if we're going to have a commitment to work together to build a sturdy bond of, of trust, that's worthy and it is made much easier if both parties indeed cooperate. When I talk about us being trustworthy as partners in our marriages, I don't mean only that you don't steal money from your spouse's purse or wallet. Or that you are where you say you will be. Being trustworthy, of course, includes stuff like that. I should be able to leave stuff out and not worry it's going to be stolen by my spouse. 
Although, believe me, there are, there are people who, who aren't. And are you laughing? Kim does take my money sometimes. Does anybody remember the seven A's of compassion? I want you to go through all seven. The family thing. Now, John, uh, the seven A's of confession didn't mean confessing other people's sins. <laughs> so when we talk about being trustworthy, yeah, of course it includes stuff like that, but that's obvious stuff, being where you say you're going to be. But it's, it's more than that, and more important. Being trustworthy means that your words and actions are all consistent with the commitments that you've made in marriage. Your words and actions are all consistent with the commitments that we've made in marriage. Most of us, and most people still, when they get married, they go through the traditional vows. And they make commitments to stay together in all circumstances, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. So if I'm going to be trustworthy, it means that in my marriage, I'm actually making good on those commitments, that in all circumstances, I will be committed to you. And part of the traditional vows is also, and you remember, forsaking all others. And we immediately think of forsaking all other people. And of course that's true. So we've, if we're married, we've each made a commitment to forsake other people and to give ourselves to our, our spouse only. However, it's not just forsaking all other people. It's forsaking all other stuff so that nothing and no one other than God is more important than my spouse. And so the question then, if I'm asking, am I trustworthy, involves, am I making good on those kinds of, of commitments? And let's uh, dive a little bit deeper on that and answer the question, what is trust? And uh, Paul Tripp, who we'll hear from in a bit, uh, the DVD series that we've been treated to is actually comes out of a, a book, a larger book, called What Did You Expect? An excellent book. He has all six of these commitments in the book, so I recommend it, I recommend it to you. Paul Tripp, What Did You Expect? And he defines trust in the book this way. Trust is being so convinced that you can rely on the integrity, the strength, the character, and faithfulness of another that you're willing to place yourself in his or her care. That's a good definition. I can, I can, you know I trust somebody, you know you trust somebody, if you can rely on their integrity, strength, character, and faithfulness, such that you're willing to place yourself in their care. That ought to be true of all of our marriages. That ought to be true of each of us in our marriages, that we are characterized by that integrity, strength, character, and, and faithfulness. But it does raise a question. And the truth of the matter is, many of us come to a marriage series because that ain't happening. Because one or both of us don't fit that profile. So, we need that kind of trust. That's what trust is, but what if your spouse doesn't measure up? What if you make the commitment... Maybe you've been making good on the commitment you've made. Maybe as a result of this class you renewed your commitment. But what if your spouse 
doesn't cooperate, even though they come to this class. And that's possible, isn't it? For all of us to come to the class, say, yes, we agree, but not actually do the stuff that we learn. So what if your spouse does not cooperate? Recall that last week, Paul Tripp said that relationships are a battle between two kingdoms. You all remember that? Kingdom of self and the kingdom of God. And if you're establishing the kingdom of self, then you'll only be satisfied when your spouse is doing all you want. If you're establishing the kingdom of self, you will only be satisfied when your spouse is doing all you want, because after all, it's a kingdom of self, and you're the king or queen. And so, as it relates to trust, and whether or not my, my spouse is cooperating, whether or not my spouse is seeking to make his or herself trustworthy, I must be able to trust you to provide what I want. Because you're part of my kingdom and subservient to it. So, we just step back. We all agree trust is important. We all agree that we should all be trustworthy. What I'm trying to get to, though, is what if you have a spouse who's not and doesn't really care about it? And if you are pursuing the kingdom of self, you will be miserable in that circumstance. Because this is my kingdom, you are part of it, everything actually is part of my kingdom, and so I have to be able to get from you what I believe I need, in this case trust, because you're part of my kingdom and subservient to it. And when that happens, when you are seeking trust, in the kingdom of self. There are some things that, that happen. So, this describes you. You'll know you're seeking trust within the kingdom of yourself. One is that desires become demands. You may have very legitimate desires that you express to your spouse, things I would like you to do things that uh, would make me more secure in our relationship, things that would help me trust you more. They may be very legitimate and, uh, and good desires. But if, if you're operating in the kingdom of self, they won't just be desires, they'll be demands. There will be an or else to this. You will do these things or else. And so think to yourself, do I do that? Do I express desires? But they're not just really, I wish you would do this. No, you, you better do it. Or else. If you're seeking trust in the kingdom of self, better is not enough. Hey, I run a tight ship around here. I'm the king of my kingdom. I want the excuses about why you aren't where you're supposed to be. Why you aren't as trustworthy as you should be, or give me the security that I'm convinced that I need, fill in the blank for whatever desire it is that you have. And so just doing better ain't good enough. And I've seen this in couples, where a spouse has been far from what they should be. They recognize that. They, they start to make progress. But you're not getting an ounce of credit until you get to exactly where you need to be, as defined by me. Better ain't good enough. 
And when you're doing that, you'll know that you're operating in the kingdom of self. Or that's the person who's sizing up the other spouse, that they're not trustworthy enough. These two apply to them. Desires become demands, better is not enough. This third one I'm going to show you applies to the person who needs to show his or herself to be more trustworthy, but you're operating in the kingdom of self if you do this, if you do only what's required in this situation. And you all know what I'm talking about. There's some particular thing that you've had between you that has bothered your spouse. You finally, for whatever reason, maybe come to a class, they've threatened to leave, who knows, but you've decided, I need to take this seriously. All right, fine. I'm going to stop stealing money from your purse. And I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to change that situation. But I'm going to engage in transactional change rather than transformational change. I'm going to do this transaction for this thing. But because I'm operating in the kingdom of self, I only want to do as little as possible to keep you around, to keep you satisfied, to keep, me, keep you from nagging When you're seeking trust in the kingdom of self, that quest for trust becomes idolatrous. So, I want to be able to trust my spouse. That's, of course, a good thing. Your spouse ought to be trustworthy. But, if you're operating in the kingdom of self, that quest, that pursuit of trust of my spouse, if you're operating in the kingdom of self, that quest itself becomes idolatrous. And I remind you all, most of you have been with us when a handful of times over the years I've gone over the progression of an idol, how idols develop for us. When we look at James 4 in a few weeks in our series on James, James talks about desires that war within us. We'll, we'll see this then as well. So those of you that have seen it, bear with me. But the progression of an idol goes like this. I want something. And the something may be very good. I want to be able to trust you. Very good. But in the progression from a desire becoming an idolatrous desire, we go from I want to I need. Not just something that I desire, I have to have this. This is how the desire becomes the demand that we talked about earlier. I want this. No, I need this. Well, if it's really a need, then I must have it. I want it. I need it. I must have it. And the it may be something very legitimate. You'll know it has become idolatrous when it moves from your internal deliberations. Maybe uh, you have voiced these, in all likelihood at some point you have. I want, I need, I must. But for sure, at some point, it goes out from you and your mind and you thinking about what you want and need and must have to involving another person, in this case your spouse. So it goes to you should. And notice the you is emphasized. <laughs> you know, the first three were all I. But all along, while I am deliberating about what I am convinced that I must have, I'm making a transition to what you should do. 
And then, if you didn't provide it, whatever it is, the way I think it should happen in the kingdom of self, well then, we enter the realm of your pet. If we have been marriages, and this is a sizable enough group to be able to say with confidence that there are marriages represented here that have been in you'll pay mode for years. You have done me wrong by not being fill in the blank. And I have been paying you back for a lot of years. Maybe we don't sleep together. Uh, maybe I don't communicate with you. Maybe I find my enjoyment, my recreation with other people. I ignore you. I give you the cold shoulder. I've been doing this for a long time. Maybe I turn the kids against you. Supper. Lots of ways for you to be paying, and lots of marriages are in your pay mode. So if you're seeking trust in the kingdom of self, it's going to look like that stuff. But if you're seeking trust in the kingdom of God, what does that look like? You see, I'm seeking trust. I want my spouse to be trustworthy. My spouse should be trustworthy. We all agree with that. But what I'm trying to pursue is what if he or she ain't. By the way, you grammarians, I just do that on purpose to make you mad. So what if they're not? Then what? If I'm seeking trust in the kingdom of God, but my spouse is not where he or she should be, they may not even show desire to get there, then what? You'll do this. You'll trust God to fix it. Now that's what we think. When we, if I say, as a pastor, as a counselor, if I say, look, I understand you're in a difficult situation. I understand that you're trying to pursue Christ and go hard after Christ and grow in Christ. And I understand that your spouse is not doing that. And so that, that is difficult. So if I say then, trust God you may think, trust God to, to fix the situation. If I trust God, it'll get straightened out. But the Bible never promises that. And so I'm not going to promise that. Because I want to be true to what God says. So trust God for what? Trust God to fix it, fix it, the situation, or fix him or her? No, I'll trust God to do what he says he will do in Scripture. He will use every situation in order to grow me into Christ's likeness. And I will trust Him to do that. Whatever my spouse does. Secondly, if I'm trusting God, if I'm seeking trust in the kingdom of God, I'll trust God to fix, to fix me and to grow me and I'll focus on me, like Paul Tripp said a couple of weeks ago. Remember, he said, I am the biggest problem. Am I that right? And so, if I'm seeking the development of trust and security and fill in your favorite blank, but within the kingdom of God, I'll focus on me rather than it or him or her, and I'll trust God to see me through. And God promises that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no... The King James says temptation, same word for trial. There is no trial, there is no circumstance that has overtaken you, that has come into your life, 
but such that you can withstand it, such that it's common to man and God is faithful because with the trial, he will with it provide a way of escape. Isn't that what God promises? And so I trust God. So listen, wife, husband, God is not asking you to trust your wife or husband. He's asking you to trust him, to fix you, and to see you through it. All right. Uh, the notes for session five are on page 12. Session five is only 20 minutes. So sometimes it's been nearly 30, sometimes 25. Tonight's DVD with Paul Tripp is only 20 minutes. And after that, Pastor Matt will come up at about five to eight and have about five minutes worth of stuff unless he just waxes eloquent, gets caught up in the spirit. <laughs> but he'll just, he's going to finish up. I told you at the beginning that I'm going to, I'm going to take off because of this uh, throat thing. So you may finish uh, a little bit early if you do that. Uh, don't go out into the hallways and disturb the kids until 8.15 because that's when they're done. Okay? All right, page 12, you can take notes on the DVD session. Okay. Oh, you're doing that. Okay, good. All right, if I don't do this exactly like he did, don't get all mad about it, okay? He'll be back next week and you'll be fine. So, page 12, you've got your, uh, your three key summary points there. You see those at the top? The key points that he made were, number one, our kingdom of self can masquerade as the kingdom of God. Number two, Sin makes it difficult to keep important things as important things. And three, you will never know the peace of the king if you are trying to be the king. Peace will begin by admitting that you have a problem with wanting your own kingdom more than God's. So we've got a couple questions uh, to answer. And you guys answer these, right? He doesn't just answer them. You, you guys talk. Is that right? You don't talk? Well, you're talking tonight. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first one, what does it mean when Dr. Tripp says the kingdom of self masquerades as the kingdom of God? Explain, somebody explain that to me in your own words. The kingdom of self masquerades as the kingdom of God. This is why I have to do it. All right, Dave. Okay, uh, you said the heart is deceitful above all things, and we can deceive ourselves that what our will is, our will is God's will, I think. Okay. Very good. Yeah, we can be self-deceived, Dave says, and we can we can impose our will and decide that that's actually God's will. Anyone else have a way that you describe it, John? Okay, good. That's another good one. Anyone else want to take a stab at it? Your your definition, Bob?
with people in my life? What are those things? And then just between the two of you, talk with your spouse, things you would like to replace on your importance list. That is, what things have become more important than they should be, and what things have not been given the importance you want them to have. Okay, that's the first step, identifying those items. Ask, and then allow your spouse to hold you accountable to those decisions. Okay, so if you're going to bring those things up, and you're going to talk to your spouse, and you're telling your spouse you're allowed to, you're allowed to talk to me about this, when I get my kingdom priorities mixed up. And then you can see the scriptures that are there for further reading. Is that everything? Did I do it right? Okay. So we've got a few more we got a few more minutes. If you don't have kids that you have to wait for, I guess you can go out and maybe catch the first pitch. For those of you who uh, do have kids, they'll be out in like eight minutes. If you must leave this room, go go that direction towards the, uh, the center area. Maybe there's some coffee and some cookies left, all right? Thanks. Oh, did he give an announcement about next week? Yeah. He did, okay. So, don't come next week. Yeah, there's no, there's no, it's Halloween next week, so we're canceling. All right? Thank you.